you watch him on film, and I mean, he just kind of fits the mantra of what Florida State wants, a, a, a hustling defender, you know, someone who if he's out of position on a play, he's still hustling to try and get there for a tackle. You can see it a couple times, you know, on film, uh, the, the offense goes to one side of the field and the quarterback or running back gets 10, 15 yards upfield, and you've got Holmes coming in from the backside. I mean, kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, – some of that early film we watched of Jared Verse before he ended up transferring to Florida State, just that hustle to chase down ball carriers and at that six foot six, 250 pound size. I mean, extremely impressive. So, I mean, there's some stuff for him to continue improving on, but I mean, he's he's bringing a very solid base into Florida State. And I think the coaching staff is going to really like watching this one develop over the next couple of years. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dolls. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go nose. This is Terrell Fleckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. The great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson. I'm here, the Spear presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here on a live, wonderful, wonderful Wednesday evening, post July 4th activities, and also Florida State in a really, really good groove right now to begin July on the recruiting trail for Mike Norvell and the Florida State football staff. We're going to jump into a whole ton of recruiting as we should. We have some recaps of some commitments to go through, and then also we're going to talk some recruiting going into the rest of July and maybe some targets to keep an eye out for. A lot of decision dates are, are being put in place along with a, a talented offensive tackle that Florida State is really pushing hard to get. He just dropped his top three. And then we're going to talk some Jaden Daniels, LSU's quarterback. He talked Florida State's uh, the season opener against FSU. He had a few comments there about that. Brian Courtney, Florida State's tight end, moving over to the linebacker position. So we're going to be giving our thoughts on that. And then we've got some basketball, too. Baba Miller, young FSU star player, returning this upcoming season. But over there, getting a gold medal for Team USA for U19s. So. Nice. Not nice. not USA. <laughs> what not was it? USA. Spain. Spain. <laughs> no shit. Not, not USA. It was not USA. <laughs> Team Spain. Team Spain. But with me this evening is Austin Vizi down below, our lead basketball writer, as he as he kind of just showed me practically. And then Dustin Lewis, our editor in chief at nogaming.com. How are we feeling? Got some commits. Starting off a little bit better than July or June. Yeah, no no commits in the month of June, and now we're uh, sitting here on the evening of July 5th. Florida State has already landed um, four verbal commitments so far. I came on the podcast last week and said I expected at least five commits this month. Uh, we're already almost there. Might, we might have to bump that over or under up a little bit. I'm starting to think, you know, maybe we set the line at 7.5 at this rate, and we'll get into that a little bit later into the show. But 
I mean, some nice pickups for Florida State over the uh, extended holiday weekend, and now you're sitting over there, at least according to uh, 247 Sports, the number 13 class in the country with room to uh, continue growing over the next couple of weeks for Florida State. Before we get started with everything, as always, you can listen to podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. We're on YouTube right now. If you guys are watching early, hit that like button. It'll make it so it goes to more FSU fans. We got well, close to like 7,000 views on our last episode just from YouTube alone. So appreciate all of our YouTube community hanging out with us, either live or afterward. Uh, a lot of y'all have been listening in and tuning in, so appreciate everybody hanging out with us this evening. But yeah, make sure you smack that like button and make sure you subscribe on all the podcast platforms that you listen to. But let's jump into it. we got quite a few to go through to start off this July Florida State bringing in Four commitments, man. It was a busy, busy, busy last couple of days for you, Dustin. But the content was great. Some of these commitment videos were awesome. Love seeing the reaction from some of these guys, including D.D. Holmes, Dustin. That might be my favorite commit just solely off of getting the commitment like one or two minutes before his actual time of saying it. Because as we all know, at least covering Florida State or any kind of outlet covering a college program and having to cover a commitment, Usually it doesn't happen until like 15 or 20 minutes later. Everything's getting set up. Got to get the IG live going. Got to get all the video camera angles. But D.D. Holmes picks Florida State over Maryland, South Carolina, and others. A four-star defensive end. Really liked his size. I, you were posting some pictures during his visit, Dustin. But really, really nice build on this player. Thoughts on this commitment come in for Coach J.P., uh, Coach Al- Odell Higgins, Fuller, and getting a guy on the on the defensive side, which I know a lot of FSU fans were, were pushing for, definitely on the line side of things. Yeah, like you said, he didn't waste any time uh, jumping into the boat there. You can tell this was a guy who was ready to go public with his Florida State commitment. And obviously, Florida State hosted Holmes during that final weekend of June, so they kind of got the last impression there ahead of his um, decision. And I mentioned last week on the podcast, you know, I was watching the Instagram live of him going through the photo shoot. And a lot of times you see these guys hop on Instagram and, and live stream it whenever they're doing the, the doke after dark photo shoot and things like that. And I, I think his mom was holding the phone and said, uh, you know, Florida state, it, it looks like it suits you or it feels like home or something like that. And I mean, you know, that kind of really ended up paying off in the end. It's, it seems like that official visit, um, made him and his family feel you know, comfortable for him to come over from the Maryland area now to come play um, his college career at Florida State. And, I mean, this was a big one for FSU. They were still searching for a defensive end pledge to kind of start off this uh, 2024 class. Now they get one in Holmes who has some room to continue growing, but, I mean, comes into Florida State with a six foot six, 250-pound frame. You watch him on film, and, I mean, he just kind of fits the mantra of what Florida State wants, a uh, uh, a hustling defender, you know, someone who if he's out of position on a play, he's still hustling to try and get there for a tackle. You can see it a couple of times, you know, on film, uh, the, the offense goes to one side of the field and the quarterback or running back gets 10, 15 yards upfield. And you've got Holmes coming in from the backside. I mean, kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, some of that early film we watched of Jared verse before he ended up transferring to Florida state, just that hustle to chase down ball carriers and, at that six foot six, 250 pound size. I mean, extremely impressive. So, I mean, there's some stuff for him to continue improving on, but I mean, he's, he's bringing a very solid base into Florida state. And I think the coaching staff is going to really like watching this one develop over the next couple of years. Definitely. When you can have some kind of small similarities between Jared verse and you know how his effort is Dustin. We saw that right off the bat whenever he arrived 
uh, verse verse has crazy athleticism and to have some kind of comparison there to D with DD is, is nice. That, that mm-hmm. kid definitely with what coach storms could do with them too. in the weight room. Mm, mm. And so Florida state still wants to add in, you know, continue to build some young defensive end depth as Florida state has a few right now on their rosters incoming freshmen, but still, uh, you know, DD DD has what you like and can be developed and Florida state has done a good job of evaluating talent early and, uh, it seems like they've done a good job here and they did a really good job with the visit. Like you said, with mom, if mom's happy and that's something that Mike Norvell usually does a really good job with definitely being close with the family members along with mom. I mean, that's kind of where he, that's where he uh, does the best. It feels like Dustin just yeah. talking to some of the recruits and probably, you know, multiple inter- interviews you've had with them. Florida state. I mean, they really do a good job on these official visits. I think that's why they were pushing for so to have so many of these guys come in on that final weekend because, you know, they're expecting a lot of these guys to make decisions before their senior seasons. That weekend was one of really the last times for college campuses to host prospects before the 2023 season outside of a small window here at the very end of July. So, I mean, it's paying off for Florida State so far with these four commitments. Um, all of these guys were on official visits, what, three of them, well, two of them were on that last weekend, but I mean, all four guys ended up committing to FSU over the weekend, dropped by Tallahassee for official visits in June. And I mean, you can just see when FSU gets guys on campus, it it helps them stand out compared to the competition. I think the the message from Mike Norvell, you know, getting to sit down with their respective coordinator, position coach, that pays off for a lot of guys. And especially when you're talking about someone like D.D. Holmes, who's coming, you know, from a significant distance away to come play at Florida State. I actually believe in this 2024 class, he was the first commitment for Florida State outside of the state of uh, Flo- or states of Georgia and Florida. Now, you've also got one from Alabama and Rydarius Morgan, who we'll talk about in a little bit. So expanding, you know, the foothold a little bit here. But, I mean, that's a long way to come from Tallahassee and says a lot that he chose the Seminoles over Maryland and South Carolina Rutgers as well. Mm-hmm. You were mentioning earlier, Dustin, about, you know, Florida State getting these players in and having really successful official visits. But to really have a full successful one, you want to be able to land those commitments, like just, you know, land them earlier than later. And I think that's something that this staff – stresses a tiny bit. I mean, they're more focused on building the relationship and they'll, they'll go the long run. We've seen them be able to do that. And even whenever it goes into the transfer portal, you know, they try to keep those relationships tight, but for it to kind of be in this point now where Florida state's able to grab some guys after having these really nice visits with them is huge. So that's something that I think, um, you know, we'll continue to watch and monitor as Florida state does this with some really nice talent that, 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 that they need in some of these areas. Uh, then we, we need to jump to another one here, a guy that I really like, a, a, a talented, talented defensive back. And definitely whenever you're able to pick a player away from Miami, uh, Florida State, FSU, Twitter, deeply happy about that as the trolling continues. But Florida State and Coach Sertan in his first year with the Seminoles, he lands Ricky Knight, a defensive back, four-star per 247 sports uh, six foot 168 from West Palm Beach, Florida, from down south and the Mario Cristobal area, Dustin. And this this is kind of a trend right now for what Florida State and the Mike Norvell staff is able to do. But kind of what were your thoughts on, you know, the interview they had with him? You know, this is a guy that likes to talk. He's not shy whatsoever. You know, we're going to try to work on trying to get some of these recruits on here and do some interviews. And I think Ricky would be a great one 
to do it with definitely to co- talk about coach Sertan and what he's bringing to the table for Florida state's offensive back room, but thoughts on, on Ricky, what you were hearing from him after his visit, he ends up picking Florida state and further. Yeah. Well, first off, I think it's just worth mentioning Florida state was the first school to actually offer Ricky Knight a scholarship uh, back in January. And that's kind of something that stuck with him ever since as he's uh, really developed into a national recruit and gained interest from power five schools across the country. Uh, Miami actually got the last visit in this recruitment, but it, it seemed like his time in Tallahassee the weekend prior on his official visit was what sold him in this decision to commit to Florida state. Um, you know, just from my point of view, the three or four visits he's been on throughout the year, every time he comes out of it, it seems like him and his family are extremely impressed. And, you know, they're always gushing about what Florida state, the coaching staff has to offer. Um, you know, he's built a really good relationship with Mike Norvell as well as a uh, coach Sertan throughout this process. And like you mentioned, this is the first pickup for coach Sertan on, on the recruiting trail. And, you know, I, I think it's a big one. I think Ricky's a little bit underrated by some recruiting services. He's just got some of those traits that, you can't really stack up into a number. I mean, this is a guy who, in my opinion, extremely competitive, a very gritty um, defender, you know, very physical, loves to come up at the line of scrimmage. In his highlights, you can see a lot of the times he's coming up making tackles on, you know, receivers catching bubble screens at the line of scrimmage or coming up and taking out a running back right there at the line of scrimmage. I mean, this is a physical cornerback, someone who's probably going to slot in, I would say, as a nickel at Florida State or an outside cornerback at the next level but I mean someone who like I mean like Dee Holmes she's just kind of got those traits that you know when you're thinking about the the kind of team that Mike Norvell the kind of defense that Adam Fuller wants to build you know getting these guys who are you know they're pests to uh, play against and I mean it's just tough to kind of scheme against them on the field and like I said you just you just can't really bubble all those traits down to a number at some point you can't really you can't put a, a star on someone's hustle or on their mindset and I really think Ricky Knight has it he's someone that I, I've really liked ever since uh, FSU joined his recruitment in January yeah I think uh, just like some kind of comparison here just a tiny bit just with the um, I don't know like like the energy he's bringing you know, the effort that he brings kind of like a greedy Vance, in my opinion, you know, he's greedy. He's kind of all over the place and knows, knows where to be, but uh, he'll come down and do what he needs to do. I think what Florida state's kind of looking for too is a replacement for what Jamie Robinson brought, at least to the safety position. You know, I think that's something that Florida state always likes to have back there, a really smart player and uh, isn't afraid to come down at times. And so, you know, just depending on you know, Ricky Knight, he's got the capabilities of a lot of different ways he could be used on a, on a defense. That's just mm-hmm. how he is. So interested to see what Adam Fuller and coach Sertan want to do with him. We're going to learn a lot. We're going to, we're going to learn quite a bit this upcoming season with yeah. what, like what coach Sertan likes back there. Right. Cause we, we haven't been able to see that on, on this level yet, definitely for Florida state and what kind of, he's got talent now coach Sertan does, but I'm really interested to see, you know, we're starting to pick out these different types that he likes and his backfield on defense. And also, you know, just sticking with Ricky Knight, I also really like his uh, just his off the field approach. You know, you you talk to some of these recruits and, you know, of course, these guys are 16, 17 year olds, 18 year olds. You know, they're just getting started in their lives. And, you know, some of them, they don't have a lot to say. But Ricky Knight is someone who is able to really form an opinion on things, offer his perspective. 
you know, I, I thought it was really interesting to hear him talk about how he connected with the players on his official visit. That was another thing that I think played in Florida State's favor here. Um, really got along with some of the other defensive backs on the team. And, you know, Florida State, they hold this thing called a player panel during the official visit where basically the the visitors will all get to sit down with some players and they'll basically be like a Q&A just to kind of see what it's like at Florida State, you know, what the coaches are like, things like that. And, you know, I was just impressed with Ricky talking about, you know, how he just went straight into that and was asking players about things about Florida State. Just wasn't shy about it at all. Really love that uh, approach. Yep. I like that too. Outgoing guys, man. Outgoing. Uh, all right. So we, we got Ricky Knight. So that's two. We got two more to go here. And this time we're going to the donk, baby. That's fueled up. It's ready to go. We talked about this last week a little bit, but giving our credit to Ron Dugans a lot this, this last year and what he, what he's been able to do after we gave him, you know, a, a little, a tough time. I mean, I, I mean, it was, it was, you know, earned I guess at that point in time but just the way that he's been able to revamp that room both the transfer portal bringing in guys that can be immediate impactful players to now on the on the recruiting trail is super impressive but Florida State Ron Dugan's the donk they land a really talented playmaking wide receiver over Ohio State with Elijah Moore Dustin you know, it was the same with D.D. Holmes. You know, you're posting some pictures. You liked what you heard from him after his visit as well. But Florida State did a phenomenal, phenomenal job in this recruitment, but specifically probably this last visit that they had with him. It just seems like whenever you're able to take a wide receiver, definitely of that talent, magnitude, the range that he has. If you guys haven't yet, go check out some of his film. But it's what fits Florida State's offense as being mm-hmm. a playmaker at the wide receiver position. And Florida State did exactly what they needed in grabbing Elijah over Ohio State, which, as everybody knows, is a, is a top-tier program in the wide receiver room, putting guys into the NFL. But, yeah, Elijah Moore, a seminal. That's exactly how I was going to start it off. Anytime you're able to beat out Ohio State for a wide receiver, especially one that's from up from the Northeast and Maryland area, I mean, that's kind of Ohio State territory if you think about it being in the big 10 and all um, it's, it's a huge one for Florida state. Like you said, uh, the Buckeyes have put a lot of receivers in the NFL as of late, Brian Hartline, one of the uh, top position coaches in all of college football has gotten a lot of praise over the past couple of years. So for Florida state to win out on this one, a, a player that Ohio state wanted and Elijah Moore, I, I think it's absolutely huge. You know, like you said, I think you kind of dubbed it perfectly a six foot four playmaker come into Tallahassee and I mean it's not just it's he's not just a guy who's a red zone threat he's someone that can really impact the game all over the field and I mean I'll say it for a third time someone that just fits what Florida State wants to do because you're, you're bringing in a six foot four wide receiver this is a guy who's already extremely physical at the point of attack as a wide receiver as a blocker and then you look at his film the second clip on his highlight tape is him coming down on special teams on kickoff coverage and laying a lick on a kick mm-hmm. returner. I mean, that's what Florida State's looking for. Yeah. Someone that can play on, you know, both sides of the football. Guys that can play offense, guys that can contribute on multiple levels of special teams. That's what you're going to get in Elijah Moore. If he doesn't make an impact on offense out of the gate, he's going to be someone on one of those special teams units from the first day that he gets to uh, Tallahassee. Loads of potential here. Um, you, you look at some of his footwork, and I, I think it's extremely impressive. He's able to create some space on smaller defensive backs. Does play in a little bit of weaker competition, but at the same time, when you're just looking at him physically and what he's able to do on the football field for you know a guy who's six foot four, 
190 to 200 pounds already and during his senior season of high school, it's extremely impressive. He's got a really good blend of athleticism. I think his body control for being six foot four is uh, crazy. I mean, you can, you can pull it up on some of the highlights, some of the catches that he's able to pull off and just tight space. And he's also someone that goes after the football in the air. He's not waiting for the ball to arrive to him. He's going up to snag it. Uh, you can see some nice one-handed grabs on there on Elijah Moore's highlight tape. In my opinion, I mean, this might be the best receiver that Florida State has landed so far in this 2024 class. Absolute boatloads of potential. And, I mean, I would compare him a little bit to Johnny Wilson or Kentron. But if you think about those guys coming into college from the high school level, I think he might be a little bit ahead of where they were at that respective time. I was going to say, too, I know a lot of comments in here. I mean, it just it's it just shocks me, you know, what Florida State's been able to do with this wide receiver room. It's been so long since we've seen a Seminole get drafted, and we're going to see that this upcoming draft in the 2024 class starting off with Johnny Wilson. But just looking at the young talent that's on this squad, man, I mean, Dustin, we were watching spring. We watched on Bondravius Jacobs look like he'd been here for two years. I mean, that, that's just pure evaluation, and it just fits the mold of this offense well. Um, and, and you already know what you've got with your other wide receivers is too, as long as long as uh, Hakeem Williams get into a groove as well. You know, we saw that in the spring game a little bit, just kind of what he brings to your offense, definitely mm-hmm. in the red zone. Like, you know, it, it, it's really special. I know there's a question here too from Alan on Facebook asking, great get, but how many <laughs> wide receivers are, are they going to have on this roster? It's starting to look like Coach Atkins' room with the offensive linemen, man. With pure talent, you know, mm-hmm. they making abilities. I think they're sitting in a good spot right now. Um, Elijah Moore is the fifth blue chip wide receiver to commit to Florida State so far in this 2024 class. You know, there have been some question marks surrounding TJ Abrams, who was in Tallahassee that final weekend of June as well for his official visit, and also Luane McCoy. It seems like both of those guys are still looking around a little bit. Um, you know, if I had to make a prediction, I would think that one of the two, maybe even both of them, don't eventually end up in this signing class for Florida State. Uh, FSU obviously still involved with Jeremiah Smith, who we talked about last week in some, uh, Joshua Trader as well, Um, and then Cameron Coleman, who actually committed to Texas A&M over the weekend on July 4th. But I think Florida State, they're still going to push to try and get an official visit in the fall. So I think you've got your – you know. You've got your floor of this uh, receiver class really set up with these five guys that you've committed. And now you're going to take a swing at a big fish. You know, Smith, Trader, Coleman, one of those guys to close out the class. You know, that that's basically like landing your Hakeem Williams from last year. We'll see what Florida State's able to do there. But at the same time, you know, if you're not able to land one of those three guys, I think what you do have in these five blue chip guys and assuming you sign at least four of them, that's going to be a win for Florida State moving into the future. This is ridiculous. Look at this kid, man. This The range on him is just stupid. <laughs> this angle right when they flip it over here. What the – what the f- – Yeah, I mean, his – I don't know if it's true. His Instagram says uh, overtime elite Hall of Fame, so – uh-huh. I don't know if that's a thing or not, but regardless, <laughs> he did do his he did his commitment live on the uh, the overtime channel. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. 
He, he might be, man, with these highlight catches, dude. I mean, it makes for a quarterback a little bit of an easier job if you can just throw this up and just let him bring it down with one-handed grabs. I mean, it's just <laughs> – yeah. You know, Dugan, you know, I mean, it's not going to work at practice, Dustin. We're there, and Mike Norvell does not like one-handed grabs whatsoever, and so doesn't Coach Dugan's. But there's sometimes some situations where, you know, you got to come down with it. You know, Johnny Wilson, he did that against Oklahoma and the Cheez-It Bowl and had a nice gain there for Florida State. So, you know, sometimes it has to be done, but, you know, two hands on the ball. But this kid is just, just talented. I mean, that's all you can say, Stu, like, playmaker florida state gets a really good one here um and, and excited you know once he signs and everything getting him to tallahassee it's gonna be fun it's just like one of those fun players you get to watch during practice like mm-hmm. when we saw vondravius jacobs you just know there was a really high chance that vondravius jacobs no matter what the situation was the db's in really good coverage that kid is gonna go and try to grab it no matter what no matter what whatever position he's in and that's kind of what i see with elijah moore he's just got more i think range with him Anytime you can get a six foot four athlete like this on your team, I mean, you got to pull the trigger. If it doesn't work out for Elijah Moore at wide receiver, you know, he might have a future at tight end. He might have a future on the other side of the ball. It's really just you're looking at those traits that he has. He has all the all the makings of what could potentially be um, a really good receiver for Florida State. I think we're just going to have to see how it works out. You know, also. Like I mentioned before, he was here during that last weekend of his official visit. I think for this one for Florida State, it was really the relationships with Elijah Moore. He said that uh, Mike Norvell and Ron Dugans had both been recruiting him since he was in eighth grade. So, I mean, we're talking about since really Mike Norvell got here to Tallahassee that they'd begun to establish that relationship with Elijah Moore. And I was just impressed with kind of his mindset, you know, just talking about what it would be like if he came to Florida State. And he was just talking about all the work that – he knew that they would have to do and, you know, that the team would have to commit to it too, basically. So, I mean, one of those guys that's coming in, if, you know, it's staying that he's six with four to say and signs him in December, that's going to come in with that mindset that you really want. And I think you've seen it from some of these guys in this 2023 true freshman class that are already in Tallahassee. You know, you mentioned Jacobs and Williams, but I mean, some other guys across the other side of the ball as well, already making impacts at Florida State. We saw it from that 2022 class. So Florida State doing a really good job of identifying guys that aren't just productive athletes, but they're bringing in that right mindset, that hard work, you know, quote unquote, lunch pail mentality to come into Tallahassee and just get going out of the gate. Did you did you already uh, before this, Dustin, I'm sorry if I missed, I was doing some stuff with the Instagram posts, but did you mention what Brian Hartline, Ohio State's wide receiver coach said about, you know, the potential mm-hmm. of what Elijah Moore could bring to offense? I think I saw, I forget, I wish I could cr- credit which uh, outlet posted it, but I think I saw it in our Discord of Brian Hartline, Ohio State's wide receiver coach, obviously, you know, what we talked about him earlier, a lot of talent that he sent off to the NFL. He projected that Elijah Moore could be a Marvin Harrison Jr. or better type, like a player, which is really, really says something. Good God, it does. And then he also, uh, you know, I think Elijah was also talking about, you know, Florida State side, what they were telling him and saying, you know, you could be our our next Johnny Wilson. So uh, I just thought that was a pretty strong quote there from Brian, Brian Hartline, who is a very, very talented coach at what he does in that wide receiver room. Um, let's jump into the last one here. I like this. I like talking commits where it's time, but here Florida State lands three-star defensive back, right? Darius Morgan, he commits to Florida State over Miami. 
and Auburn, another one going over Miami, man, <laughs> another one. But what are, what are FSU fans getting out of by Darius specifically, Dustin, do you think, and Coach Sertan on that defensive side and the defensive backfield? Yeah, this is one, you know, coming in, uh, Coach Sertan's second commitment of the week. And like you said, we are starting to see a type with Coach Sertan coming after these competitive, hard-hitting defensive backs. Morgan, someone who, I mean, can really play all over that defensive backfield, in my opinion. I think he's going to end up playing safety um, at Florida State. I mean, kind of reminds me a little bit of Jamie Robinson, you know, someone that's maybe doesn't have the elite size for the position, doesn't have necessarily the elite athleticism for the position, but makes up with it with his physicality on the field, being in the right spots. And I mean, just having genuine football instincts and IQ. I think that's a lot of what you see out of Rydarius Morgan, someone that trusts his eyes a lot. You know, he, he, that's, that's the best way I can say it. He trusts his eyes. Um, on plays, doesn't let himself get caught out of position. And, I mean, I, that's a big part of his game, being in the right position. But then you also see the uh, hustle. Like I mentioned about D.D. Holmes earlier, I mean, he'll get caught behind a play, and then he's hustling down the field, one of them coming in for a force fumble. And, you know, something that Florida State likes as well on the highlight tape, multiple special teams units. He's coming down on kickoff coverage, on punt coverage. So, I mean, this is someone who you're going to be able to play in the defensive backfield and on special teams, which is obviously a, a trade that Florida State values a lot. Um, been putting a very big emphasis on that side of the football ever since Mike Norvell arrived in Tallahassee. And, you know, we saw it start to pay off last year. I think it's only going to become, you know, a greater focus for Florida State moving forward because, I mean, that can win you a football game. It had happened in the second game of the season for Florida State. So, um, right, Aris Morgan, I think it's going to it's gonna end up being a good take for Florida State, especially with some of the other safeties and, and other defensive backs that FSU is involved with at this time. Um, you know, anytime you can win one out over Miami and also in-state Auburn, I don't think Miami fans are kind of complaining about it on Twitter. You're seeing some saying, oh, well, he wasn't a take. Well, he was just at Miami the final weekend of June for an official visit. So to me, that sounds <laughs> like that. a take. And he's also from the state of Alabama. So pulling this one over Auburn, we'll see if Florida State can keep it all the way through December and that early signing period. But, I mean, a good one. And he's also from the same high school as Cam Coleman. So I mentioned Coleman earlier, committed to Texas A&M. But – you get his high school teammate in the fold, Florida State, still trying to get him on campus for an official visit. We talked to him at the uh, the elite camp back in June. It seems like maybe that Florida State Miami weekend in November in November might be a target for Coleman to uh, come back to Tallahassee for an official visit. I think having his teammate, you know, it's not going to push anything over the top, but it can only help in Florida State's message moving forward in that recruitment. So. Bringing in Morgan, I mean, really a benefit to FSU's recruiting class in more ways than one. Right now on 247 Sports, uh, the overall rankings for Florida State, they now sit at number 16. They're right below Clemson at 15. Um, wait, no, that's the wrong one. My bad, my bad, yeah, my bad. 13. 2024, number 13, and right below Tennessee and Clemson up there at 11. So, uh Doing a good job. They're climbing, climbing a little bit. And I think, too, from what – I mean, we'll talk the rest of recruiting here in just a second after we go over Jonathan Daniels. But it uh, seems like they're going to have a nice late fireworks to July. 
with some expectations we have. So, yeah, nice get there. Definitely the smarts. That's like I was just talking about earlier. Florida State is trying to look for someone that Jamie Robinson brought to that defense for two years. And a lot of that was smarts and just understanding. Physicality as well. Yeah, reliable, you know. And that's something Jamie brought to that defense and held down a lot of things this last season and saved some touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, a good a good commit there. I think Florida State sees some talent in right areas. Uh, let's jump into uh, a target, big-time target, that continues to visit Florida State, and that's Jonathan Daniels, a really talented offensive tackle, uh, four-star. Uh, he just dropped his top three, which I know he put out a teaser the other day saying, big decision <laughs> to make, big decision to make, but, you know, it's the usual, all right, here we go. We're going to start dropping, dropping some colleges and end up being a top three. But it's Florida State, Miami, as we were just talking about, and Auburn. What do you think? Florida State is in this recruitment. You know, it seems like they've built a really strong relationship being close by. Who did you say were the schools? Uh, Georgia. <laughs> FSU. And. Yeah, I put in here. I put in here. Uh, Who'd you put? I put in here Kentucky. <laughs> Oh, okay. I thought you said Auburn. For, for some reason, I heard. No, Auburn. No, no. I don't know. No, well, that's my uh, bad. Then. And I maybe, maybe, maybe I did. I had Radarius Morgan up there, but he was picking over Auburn. But yeah, Florida State, Georgia, and Kentucky. Where do you think Florida mm. State is? I feel like they've built a really good relationship here, but they're kind of just wanting this to get done with and get his commitment. I think this is really just Jonathan Daniels building some anticipation leading up to his announcement. Obviously, scheduled to now make that commitment on uh, July 15th between, like you said, Florida State, Kentucky, and Georgia. FSU had him on campus that final weekend of June, so they got the last impression um, ahead of this commitment. Um, FSU has made him a priority since uh, day one during this recruiting process. Alex Atkins and Mike Norvell really involved here with this one, and you also saw Daniels hanging out with some of the commits, notably Luke Cromanhawk. Uh, during that official visit during June, Cromanhawk noted Daniels, one of the guys that he's trying to get him to join in this 2024 class. So I think Florida State, they're kind of really doing the right things from all angles here. Kentucky and um, Georgia both also had Daniels on campus in June. In my opinion, I think Georgia's kind of scratched out here. They added their fifth um, offensive line commitment today in the 2024 class. So I don't know if they have the numbers to bring in Daniels at this time. And, you know, I, I currently have Florida State as the favorite in this recruitment as, you know, we enter the final 10 days of it or so before he makes that announcement. I think FSU with the in-state ties being him being pretty much semi-local to the area over in that Pensacola area and all that Florida State has put into this recruitment that they're going to win out for Kentucky for uh, Daniels' services. And this is also one that Florida State just can't afford to lose after uh, – Jason Zandamella and ITT Manasi both committed to USC in June. So Florida State's still looking for their first pledge along the offensive line. They've got to land this one in Daniels. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. Coach Atkins, you can usually rely on that man and bring in some talent in, but having that nearby guy and Pensacola should 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 help a little bit but you know I think they've done a good job relationship wise and he's just holding some things off building some excitement like you said D. Lou might as well shoot I mean Dustin would have would you have done it in high school you know if you're how long would you string it out would you be a guy that would commit early 
and just fall in love with the school and be like, that's it? Or you, would you hold it on, string along, let's say you're a four-star offensive tackle? Are you stringing this along? Or are, you, are you calling a day and we're, we're just going to get it over with and be done? I mean, with how it is now, they, they just passed the rule. It went into effect a couple of days ago where – as a recruit, you can now take as many official visits as you want, you know, one per school. I'd be taking – I think we said it before, I'd be taking one every week until I sign in December. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Georgia or Idaho, you know, just free trip after free trip. No joke. I should have said Not Florida lying. State in there. I shouldn't have said Georgia or Idaho, but either way. <laughs> Georgia and Idaho. Whole <laughs> 180s from programs there. I mean, just like uh, Los said, Carlos Williams – High, high caliber one top in the nation as a recruit in his class. You know, he knew he liked Florida State, but he was going to go around and do his visits and take advantage of it. But I would definitely build some suspense all day long. I would just be building it up and building it up. Also, what do you want to say to the critics? I keep on seeing a Discord and I'm seeing them in a group chat on on Twitter, having some small little freakouts here and here here and there on Charles Lester. What do you, what would you say to the the ones tweaking out a tiny bit. I don't know where it's coming from. It's just kind of at the point where maybe too many good things right now are happening for Florida State, and, you know, there's got to be another Travis Hunter 2.0, right? Yeah, I mean, he's posted some stuff on his on either Twitter or Instagram lately, you know, like him in the Colorado jersey and stuff like that from the unofficial visit he took earlier this year. But, I mean, I kind of see it as the same thing with Daniels, just someone who's trying to build up their announcement, especially Charles Lester, a five-star prospect, one of the top in the country. And then, you know, you look at these recruiting websites and pretty much everyone has Charles Lester predicted to Florida State. Um, he's visited visited FSU so many times in his recruitment. I think he's trying to, uh, you know, kind of push people off the trail a little bit. But, I mean, my, my opinion, since I mentioned it, I guess it was last week whenever we got back on here, reconvened, for the show, you know, I, my uh, opinion of Charles Lester to Florida State has only continued to grow stronger. And, you know, if that changes, I'm, I'm sure we'll bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. I think everything everything's just fine. Just a little bit of, you know, got to stir the pot a tiny bit. Just make sure if you're an FSU Twitter member, just don't focus so much on someone, what the rivals are telling you. That's really just getting in your head a little too much, in my opinion. So, but yeah, well, well, that's going to be a fun one. That's going to be at the end of the month that we'll be covering that commitment. So make sure you guys are following us there. July Before 28th. we jump into the, let's make do sure what? we get it right. July 28th. Let's make sure yep. we get it right. July 28th. We might be, should we might have to do a live or something for that one? That, that one would be fun to watch. We might have to do a little live on here and watch his commitment. That would be fun. Uh, big time FSU target wanting to add to the DBU for Coach Sertan. Uh, before we go into the rest of this podcast, we're going to jump into Brian Corney switching from tight end to linebacker. We're also going to talk Jaden Daniels, talking FSU and Bob Miller. But before I jump you into some recruiting stuff, a little roundup here to summarize everything, D. Lou, make sure you guys hit that like button. I think we're already over like 50-something likes on here. So appreciate it. Helps us bring in some more FSU fans. So if you're on YouTube right now, I think we got close to 100 on here. So if you just hit that like button, don't ask for much more. Uh, it's deeply, really, really deeply appreciated. So uh, thanks, guys. Uh Dustin, just to summarize and kind of finish off our recruiting side of things this evening as we just went through four commits and also a big-time target dropping his top three, uh, what do we need to keep an eye out for to go into the next bit of July? Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, there, there's got to be some stuff popping, maybe some targets that we need to keep an eye out for. I know there's a few commitment dates being dropped. We mentioned Lester. That one's going to be on uh, July 28th. Also, we mentioned John Daniels. That one Saturday, um, July 15th. And actually, it looks like July 15th could be the next big day for Florida State on the recruiting trail, along with uh, John Daniels. You also had a pair of uh, local prospects, four-star running back, Makai Danzi, and three-star safety, Ashton Hampton, both from Tallahassee that play locally at uh, Florida High, the uh, state state championship runner-ups from a season ago. They both announced that they'll be committing on July 15th as well. Um, I personally think Florida State, the far and away favorite to land Danzi's commitment at this time. He's really the, the program's top target right now as the uh, second fiddle to kind of add along Cam Davis in that class. The two fit in very well together, even worked out together actually in June at that elite camp, worked out alongside each other. Seems like they built um, a decent bond with one another. And Danzy being someone from the area and also wanting to play track of the next level, Florida State's offered him that opportunity. Um, his only official visit was that short drive over to uh, FSU's campus in June. So I think you've really got to see Florida State as the favorite Going into this announcement, he is going to take uh, visits to Miami and Florida during the fall. But I think the Seminoles probably going to get a commitment from him on July 15th. As for Hampton, his teammate at Florida High, I think right now he's probably going to be going to Clemson. Um, he took some official visits to the Tigers, also Florida, Arkansas, and Louisville during the month of June. Not going to be taking his official to FSU until December, though. So, I mean, even if he does go off the board to Clemson, say that everything – you know, he follows through with that official visit to Florida State in December. They're going to have an opportunity to uh, flip him leading up to the early signing period. And I really see that as maybe kind of a, a strategy move for Florida State because you're looking at the class now. Um, you've already got C.J. Hurd committed at the safety spot. You just were able to add Rydarius Morgan over the weekend. Now you're going to swing for maybe some bigger fish a little bit. And if Florida State misses out on one of those guys or maybe loses someone, out of the boat during the season, they can kind of revisit Hampton, who's right down the road and going to be taking that official visit in December and maybe flip him late if needed. Man, oh, man. This could be a really, really fun <laughs> July. I mean, definitely with the very end, but still a lot of targets to keep an eye on. I like that kid Danzy, man. and kid's fast. Yeah, I think we mentioned on the show last weekend, second fastest in the world for the uh, the under 18, 200 meter. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about world changing speed coming to Tallahassee mm. with that one. Reminds me a lot of uh, Lawrence to Philly, and I mean, can fit into that offense in a multitude of ways. Does exactly what, what Mike Norvell and Coach Yak are looking for in a running back as someone that can be versatile and kind of, like I said, he fits that role opposite of what uh, Cam Davis can do. You know what, too, and, you know, got to give credit to for Luke Cromenhawk, Florida State's blue chip quarterback, Bell Cal, also with Cam Davis. You know, those two doing a really good job on the recruiting trail, helping Florida State staff. But, you know, Luke and what he was able to do with Elite 11 and now being a top three quarterback for the 247 sports rankings, having him be at that level and the talent, I think a lot of players like like him and across the country like we talked about with Elijah Moore coming into Florida State whenever you have a quarterback like this of this caliber man you're going to raise the bar on the kind of talent you're going to bring to your program and uh, it just seems like at least on the offensive side it's just a revolving door at the moment it really is um, 
and it's just crazy to think Luke only played just one year of varsity football that he'll be going into his second year this upcoming fall. It's just, it's just wild to me, just the eval that Florida State was able to do with him and Coach Tokar. Shout out to him as well. But just wanted to give a, you know, mention that because, you know, that's where Florida State is right now. And that's having a really good quarterback in your class. It's going to make things a little bit easier for you. By all accounts, I mean, they absolutely nailed the evaluation, not only with what Luke's able to do on the field, but also with what he is off of it. And, I mean, that has been stepping into a true leadership role for Florida State in this 2024 class. Uh, everyone that Florida State's coaching staff is recruiting, Luke Cromanhawk is recruiting as well to try and get him in this class. You know, those two parties working together to kind of prioritize who FSU wants to sign in this recruiting cycle. And then on top of that, you know, you've got Cam Davis, the longest standing commitment in the class. Um, he's now a four star prospect, which I don't agree with him. We're going to keep calling him a five star on this show. But um, guy who's been committed to Florida State for over two years one of the the biggest names in the Southeast in this recruiting cycle. Uh, his opinion carries a lot of weight as well, and he's been right there alongside Croman Hawk and helping in a lot of these recruiting battles, uh, even on campus last weekend for an unofficial visit just to come up during that final weekend of June to help Florida State kind of, you know, end a couple of these recruitments. And it's paid off with four so far. We'll see if they're able to keep it rolling. But, I mean, just the way that that class is so closely connected – very, very impressive group that Florida State has coming into Tallahassee in uh, Tribe 24. Well, make sure you guys are following Dustin on Twitter. Um, it's in the description on the YouTube channel and then also on the podcast platforms. It's all in the description along with following our account at Noel Recruiting. Of course, at Noel Game Day, we're continuing to push out a whole ton of things. If you want to be covered on when commitments are happening, do you want to watch the commitments? We've got videos for that on the website. So, and then of course, when the commitments happen, we're getting you guys the news, you know, really quick, right, right when it happens. So make sure you guys are following us on Twitter there and definitely over there on our Facebook because that just hit over a hundred thousand followers. So shout out to our Facebook crew over there. Uh, I think that's going to wrap up recruiting part of things. There's just a few just quick hitters to finish off the show this evening. And that's one with a position change offensive player going to defense. And this is going to be Brian Courtney, Florida state's tight end uh, going to be making a switch at least starting into fall camp. We'll see how that goes, but he's going to go to the linebacker room and, you know, Dustin, I don't know if it was you and I that discussed it or maybe it was just going through discord, but uh, Brian Courtney, a really athletic player was able to show some nice hands to us during some practices and such, but, I don't think this is much of really a, like a like a shocker to see Florida State maybe just testing the waters and see what his abilities are in the linebacker room, um, you know. And I like it. I thought you know Florida State there would be some kind of move being made in, even in the transfer portal, or maybe a position change in house internally. And so be it. Yeah, Brian Courtney's going to go give it a shot. I thought maybe Aaron Hester would maybe test the waters on that. Who knows? We might see that in fall camp. I, I think that he's just a little too undersized at the moment. Uh, off the side of the edge for FSU. We'll see if anything changes there. But first, you know, Brian Courtney making a position change going into this fall camp. What, what are, what are y'all's thoughts on that? I feel like this was something that we always mentioned as a possibility dating back to even when Brian Courtney committed to Florida State. This was someone that was recruited as an athlete, played quarterback at the high school level, but Florida State recruited him as a tight end due to, like you mentioned, his athleticism and how they projected him to, to develop 
as a wide receiver. But outside of his time at quarterback in high school, this was also someone that played some outside linebacker and also um, I think played a little bit of safety as well, rushed off the edge a little bit. So, I mean, he's been kind of used around throughout his uh, career as a football player. And I think this is just Florida State making a move where, you know, you look at this upcoming 2023 season and the tight end room that Florida State has with Jaheim Bell, Kyle Morlock, Marquise and Douglas, who really came on strong in uh, the back half of that 2022 season, you know, we'll, and Preston Daniel as well. And then behind that, you know, Jackson West, we'll see if he's able to get back into the fold after missing last season um, with an injury. But it just doesn't look like there's a ton of snaps that uh, Brian Courtney is going to be able to soak up this upcoming season. And now instead, you know, you kind of flip him over to a room where, I mean, yeah, you're only going to be playing two players at this position. But if you're projecting out into further seasons, you know, Brian Courtney, you're going to lose some guys in that, in that linebacker room after this 2023 season. Kalen DeLoach, Tatum Bethune, um, who knows about DJ Lundy. But then after that, you're looking at an extremely young room with uh, Omar Graham being your most experienced guy after those top three. So adding Brian Courtney in kind of gives you a bridge between some of the true freshmen on the roster right now. And, I mean, just kind of create some flexibility moving forward in the future. Um, I think it will help Courtney out as well because this is a guy who played on multiple, if not all four, of the special teams units for Florida State last season. And now he'll, be, he'll get to, you know, be able to tackle more during practices. It will be more natural, things like that, chasing down ball carriers. I think that will only help him in his development. And moving forward, you know, we'll see how the roster progresses, if guys transfer out and how things go. You know, he could eventually end up going back to tight end. But I think this is just a move to put an athlete in a position to uh, really, I mean, quote unquote, make a play. And we'll see if this move to defense is going to benefit Brian Courtney or if he ends back up on the offensive side of the football. I mean, it's important to note that on the roster officially, he's listed as both a linebacker and tight end. So he could end up playing both at some point this season or in the following seasons. I think it was just one of those that when he first showed up to campus, tight end was such a huge, huge need for Florida State. They didn't really have much proven production there. Now you bring in Jaheim Bell. Now you bring in Kyle Morlock. You lose Stephen Dix Jr. out of the linebacker room. It's just one of those, you know, let's put a guy where, where it's needed most. And there's some that believe his linebacker tape was better than any of his other tape coming out of high school anyway. So I think it makes a ton of sense. If it could get him on the field sooner, I don't see why not. Mm -hmm. I like the idea just for depth. And I also like that it's a tight end going to a linebacker position. When you're watching tape, whenever you're facing, you're most likely going to that second level and going against linebackers as well. So he's got a really good idea too of what he's going to be going against whenever he goes against the running backs, going against his tight ends. He knows what it is like on an offense and definitely that tight end position. So I, I think it's, I think it's a smart move. I'm interested to see how that develops when we get into fall camp but Florida State now I feel a lot I feel just a little I feel better about that linebacker room just depth wise I know we kind of were not in like disagreement but you know we were just on the same page um, earlier in the offseason of adding some extra depth there and I just think just having some uh, you know some extra help make me sleep better at night just in case one of those guys one of your star linebackers goes down or two of them man you know you got to rely a lot on Omar Graham and and some youngsters so uh, and also losing Brendan Gant as well to Colorado. Yep. So 
um, yeah, I, I like the move, and I'm just really interested to see how he develops. But like you were saying earlier, Dustin, it's just an athlete, and you're going to see if he can make some plays with it. He's really got some special abilities, and he's a guy that is all gas, 100% in practices. So, um, you know, he's got good size and good athleticism and go east to west quickly, and that's what Florida State needs, Like a, kind of like Kalen Deloach, who, you know, we saw last year be able to really – improve and continue to get better and, and was one of the best players uh, last year uh, with what he was able to do with his talents and his, his, his legs quick getting over to uh, the boundary uh, that's something I think Brian can can utilize with that skill set he has so we'll see I'm interested I think you're you're really just adding insurance here like you said just in case someone goes down you've got a guy like Courtney who's already been in the system a little bit to kind of step in. And he's actually, at least according to the online roster, I mean, already the basically third biggest linebacker in that room. So someone that already has the size to step into the position if necessary. But at the same time, you know, four to say they've got to feel really confident in that top three that they have. Omar Graham had a, had a pretty impressive spring. So this is just insurance. And I think Florida state, you know, with the way that this, coaching staff has been able to develop players over the last couple of years, just projecting guys out year by year, you know, someone like Brian Courtney just can really play anywhere in, in this system. And we'll see how it goes moving forward for him, but just the athletic traits that he has, I, I think that's stuff that you can't really coach and we'll see if it fits better at linebacker than it did in a crowded tight end room. Before we jump into Jane Daniels talk, Whenever he's talking about Florida State, I'll jump through this little question here from our guy Poochie Cuz904 on YouTube asking, uh, after Jordan Travis is gone this season, who y'all have for the 2024 season opener, which is going to be across the seas, actually. But yeah, Florida State losing Jordan Travis to this upcoming year's draft. And then also, you know, Florida State figuring out what Tate Rodemaker, AJ Duffy, Brock Lynn, and now Luke Cromenhawk, and that that's gonna be it's gonna be a wild off season to cover. But just really early, we we're already we're already reaching ahead to the next season here, ladies and gentlemen. But you know what? We are in July, so why not? Why not? But who who, who y'all feeling? Who you got? I, I think I've got an interesting take. I've got an interesting one. But so do, you so do I. I feel I like know, it's I gonna guess. be. I feel like it's gonna be someone not on the roster. I feel like it's gonna be a transfer, which might be different. But it's one of those that I don't know if they're going to trust Rodemaker with the full season. He showed great flashes in the Louisville game last year. But are they going to trust him with the whole season? Is A.J. Duffy going to be ready? We haven't seen anything yet to suggest he will. And, you know, at that point, Cromanhawk Hawk would be going to his second season. Or, no, first season. I, yeah. You can't buy him as a starter. So I'm, I'm going to say it's someone that's not on the team currently. I could see it. I just think it's going to be tough for Florida State to bring in a transfer. It would just kind of – you know, may potentially upset the dynamic that they have right now with three guys in three years, A.J. Duffy, Brock Glenn, and Luke Cromanhawk, who would be on the roster at that time. Do you bring in someone and, depending on how many years of eligibility they have, risk someone transferring out? You know, I'm not sure, especially, you know, we'll see what happens with Tate following next spring. He could always elect to maybe grad transfer for his final season of eligibility elsewhere, depending on how things go. It's just – it's really hard to project when we're more than a year out – um, at this point in time, but you know, just from what I've seen so far, it's hard to bet against a guy like Brock Lynn, who's really come in and been extremely impressive for Florida State during his first spring. Has all the the knacks, the intangibles that you want out of a quarterback that's going to fit into a 
FSU's offense. We'll see how it goes throughout the fall. You know, I'm sure Mike Norvell, Tony Tokars are going to have a really close eye on this one. Obviously, Jordan Travis going to get the QB1 reps, but seeing what Rodemaker is able to do and also the continued development from uh, Duffy and Brocklin, I mean, that's going to be a very underrated and crucial aspect of Florida State season because you're not going to see it a lot on the field. It's going to be something that's happening behind the scenes on these practice fields week by week rather than on Saturdays. But, I mean, that's going to eventually be paramount to what happens to Florida State's trajectory in 2020-24. So, I mean, we're going to see how it plays out. Yeah. It's a fun but, discussion to have. I mean, it's yeah, far. I'm, I'm leaning I'm leaning with Brock Glenn at this time. I think he's going to figure it out over the next year and change and learning behind Jordan Travis, just seeing the mentality that that kid has. And, you know, we'll see if he's able to gain, gain those reins as a Florida State's starting quarterback. Yeah, I think it's, you know, just going through practices and seeing what we've seen from the last two years. I think right now, you know, Rodemaker definitely has the system down with the offense, but it's really about trust. Could you go through a whole season with them? And that way, but what he was able to do with Louisville was was great. That was a big, you know, that was a big growth spurt for him, mm-hmm. and added on, I think, you know, uh, a lot of motivation, but a little bit of courage for him to continue to get better and you know, take chances when need be. But I think going from last year and AJ Duffy, like I was expecting to see a bigger jump from this last spring, and I didn't, I didn't see that. There was yeah, some better maturity traits that I was seeing from him, and a bit more focus, I would say, and maybe to protecting the ball better, but I also wanted him to take more risks. And I, I haven't really seen that, Dustin. You know, we were watching the practices and, and stuff, and it's a lot of t- tuck and run where, you know, there'd be potential for some guys to be open. And with Tate, he's going to give it a shot to his wide receivers. And uh, Brock Glenn, I think, if we're going off of like the first years of a quarterback, you know, Brock Glenn does look, you know, better than what A.J. Duffy looked in his first year. But, you know, we just got to see things develop and a lot of things can change going into your second year. And, you know, Glenn going through this, uh, going through this offense and Mike Norvell and coach Atkins and, you know, what, like what they like to do. And, you know, we got to also think too, Florida state's going to be very stacked once again, heavily might be one of the most stacked in that running back room yet under Mike Norvell with Cam Davis coming in. If you're able to have Danzy and what you've got, uh, you know, already in the room, some young talent like Rodney Hill. So you will rely a lot on your running backs. So maybe you won't be so stressed on your quarterback to do certain things. And it's definitely not the playmaking ability of Jordan Travis that he has with his legs. Florida State doesn't have that quarterback on the roster that has that ability. So I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, utilization on that running back room, tight ends. You know, you're stacked there now with some talent. But I think it'll be Tate. Tate starting off a little bit and if things don't go that well then it's going to be between uh, either uh, either Luke or it's going to be uh, Glenn uh, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment just off of some evaluations of seeing these guys practice and, and I'll I'll be honest I don't think that's the worst outcome for Florida State I think Tate Rodemaker you know, at that point, he'd be in his final season of eligibility, fifth or sixth year at Florida State in this system. And we're able to see what he's he was able to do stepping in for Jordan Travis, kind of breaking that glass ceiling that it felt like was holding him back a little bit. I think Tate Rodemaker could be a bridge quarterback if you're talking about a one-season run in 2024 as Brock Lynn, A.J. Duffy, and Luke Cromanhawk continue to get that seasoning a little bit. And one of those guys takes it over in 2025. I don't think it would be the worst outcome for Florida State, but I think it would be better if uh, a guy like Brock Lynn or a guy like A.J. Duffy was able to expedite his development a little bit 
and grow into something where Florida State's coaching staff is more comfortable putting out a third-year A.J. Duffy or a second-year Brock Lynn over a fifth- or sixth-year Tate Rodemaker. That would be mm. a better outcome for Florida State. Yeah. Um, it's going to be fun. Well, at least let's just get through this season first, and then we'll get into yeah. the quarterback extravaganza, which will be <laughs> fun. You're, you're talking like a quarterback competition between – it, it, it really will be – a minimum of three minimum of three players. I mean, you're definitely probably you're definitely throwing Luke Cromman Hawk in there just because of abilities and talent that he brings. And I can't wait to watch him in his second year of being varsity quarterback. Uh, you know, it, it's gonna be a lot of guys getting first team reps, and whoever does the best with them is able to run through smoothly on the offense, doesn't. But I think Tate easily does have that lead. But will he keep that throughout the whole t- entire season? That's that's my question mark. So We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. But good question there uh, from our guy, Pooch. Poochie. Um, I hope I'm not saying a bad word there. Poochie just sounds uh, – it just sounds interesting. I hope I'm not saying something crazy here on YouTube. <laughs> um, let's talk Jaden Daniels real quick, and then we're going to go over some Baba Miller getting the gold medal for Team Spain. Uh, Jane Daniels had an interview recently, just like Jordan Travis and Trey Benson did, but he did one for LSU and talked ahead of it was at the Manning passing Academy, the Manning passing Academy. Uh, as I just saw that here on my friggin' research. Hey, I got it down in here. I got it down. I just thought that he was talking with the LSU media, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, Jane Daniels, uh, talking Florida state before the season opener. It's going to be a primetime matchup Labor Day weekend, uh, this is what he had to say. He said, we earmark it because it's the first one. I mean, we all know what happened last year. We want that taste out of our mouth. We're going to go up against a great opponent in Florida State that hit the high note at the end of the season, so we know it's going to be a dogfight. But, I mean, it's the first one. It should be a top-10 matchup, so all eyes are going to be on us. Just go out there and really just locking in. Just go out there and executing. He continue to talk about the matchup and how big it is going to be for LSU and what they want to do for the aspirations of reaching the playoffs. He said, it's very critical. We're going to play tough games down the stretch. We win that game one last year. We lost game one and we had aspirations of going to the playoffs. So it's kind of hard. You play a lot of close games. Once you lose that second game, it's kind of hard to get back into the contention and the playoff spot at the end of the year. Winning game one is always very critical, especially for things we want to accomplish. And, you know, I think a lot of similarities here, Florida State would agree. A lot of their players would in this state that winning this game really pushes you uh, way ahead. I mean, that puts, that, put, that puts you in a playoff. I mean, just ranking wise, obviously that doesn't happen until later on in the season, but that puts you as a top five, top four, potentially top three team after mm-hmm. this, because it is a really strong top 10 matchup at the beginning of the season. But any thoughts on, on what Jaden Daniels had to say as we're now crazy to think two months away from kickoff, if I have that correctly? He didn't say anything crazy. I mean, nothing that you wouldn't expect. This isn't really, you know, like bulletin board material or anything like that. This is what you would expect a, a, a fellow competitor to say, especially, you know, when you're talking about one that's going to be ranked one of the highest ranked teams in the country, Jaden Daniels, obviously the star quarterback of that team. And they're going against the opponent that they lost to by one point last season, who's also going to be extremely high, highly ranked. If anything, you know, I thought it was respectful for 
Daniels, you know, kind of to give Florida State some credit there. LSU did the same thing, started really hitting a new gear there late in the year, absolutely blew out their opponent in the bowl game. Both these teams going back to Camping World Stadium for this rematch. And, you know, it's going to be a very closely contested game. I think you're going to see kind of the same the same mindset on Florida State's side. You know, game one means everything. Like you said, Logan, you win this game. And even if you lose one for the rest of the season, you lose only one game the rest of the season, but you win this game, you're gonna, you're probably going to make the playoff. I mean, odds are. So this was a huge one for both sides because if Florida State wins this one and, you know, say they drop one to Clemson or someone else later in the year but still went out, they're going to the playoff. And same thing for LSU if they're able to pull it off. So we'll see how it goes. But, I mean, this is going to be potentially the non-conference game of the entire 2023 season and it should be a heck of a heck of a game to watch in Orlando with the talent on both sides and kind of the storylines that have also been created over the last year I thought it was very similar to what Trey Benson said in his interview recently just about two top 10 teams and they're looking forward to the matchup staying focused it's a game that like Dustin said everyone's looking forward to everyone's excited for and whoever wins is gonna have a major advantage going the rest of the season so you know just just to Expand on those comments. I, th- I thought it was respectful and what should be expected of a starting quarterback, for, especially a guy that's been a starter for, what, three, four years now, going back to his time at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's definitely definitely easy to like, and though that's how quarterbacks should be speaking as well. But, yeah, Florida State got the best of LSU last year, and, you know, now Florida State gets to have this game closer to home. We'll be in Orlando again. They'd already played along LSU, too, during their bowl season this last, this last year. But still – Florida State being closer to home, they've already gone through that system of going over there and traveling. You know, Mike Norvell talked about it last year before they played Oklahoma. It felt like this is a good chance to kind of get a good feel for how the next season is going to begin in 2023. So here we are now. We're getting close. It's crazy two months away. We can literally say next month there will be college football games being played. Um, You know, everybody right now, at least on the FSU side, uh, it's been a while. I know there was some definitely some excitement last year. Yes, but I don't think a lot of people knew that the, the improvement that Jordan Travis was going to make, and it was phenomenal. You know, being one of the top quarterbacks in college football last year, and Tony Tokar is going into his first season coaching. Kenny Dillingham gone, and, and now at uh, Arizona State. You know, mm-hmm. there was a lot. There, there was some question marks there. Now, now there's there's certified things that have been done. It's been delivered, and now it's time to go out there and show it to the rest of the country. And you know, I'm I'm stoked. I'm 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 ready for it. I'm I'm enjoying the off season, but it gets to the point now. Like, well, you know, we'll have Bucks training camp here in a few weeks, and you know, once you just start smelling that grass early in the morning, fresh cut grass, you're like, oh, football season has arrived, and I I'm stupid stupid excited. You need to get that rain and thunderstorms away from Tallahassee, Dustin. Can you work on that for us? Y'all might be in the IPF a lot. Turn that magnet back on. I don't know. <sighs> Something ain't right, man. Y'all are getting derailed up hasn't there. Been, hasn't been bad the last, like, two weeks, but it, it's coming. Yeah. Uh, that's going to finish off some football stuff. Let's let's finish off, though, the podcast with Baba Miller, VZ. Man, have, having a great – we talked about it last week, though, but – and now officially earning a gold medal for Team Spain in U19, man. Uh, you know, what, what, you know, what was his performance like? I, I feel like we were hearing some great interviews from him afterward. He was good, man. You know, we talked about it last week, like you mentioned, just how much more fluid and how much more comfortable he was looking on a basketball court 
after his first college season really didn't go like anyone expected. Um, but he, he really performed well in this tournament, uh, especially in that championship game, those, those final five or so minutes in, in regulation to get Spain back in the game, force overtime, uh, nine points, couple rebounds, assists, a steal. He was all over the place in that, in those final five minutes in the championship. It's exactly what you want out of Baba Miller. It's, those five minutes where scouts are going, if he can expand on this five minutes for a whole game, he's a special, special talent at his size at, you know, six, 11, seven feet, but just overall had a great tournament average, you know, almost 10 points and six boards, a couple of assists. Um, his peak was those games you mentioned last week against Lebanon, who, you know, team Spain absolutely destroyed. I think the final score was 102 to 20 or something ridiculous like that. Spain's just a different animal when it comes to these basketball tournaments, especially in FIBA. Um, but he was great. I'm really excited to see what he can bring back to Tallahassee and what he's learned in this competition and see if he could spread it around in ACC level competition. I'm, I'm really excited to see how he performs, but great overall showing from Baba Miller. So thing, getting him to get clicking once he gets here to Tallahassee as well. That'll be good. I mean, he could be a big time. He could be a leader for this team this next season. It's experience like this that just it expands so much. You see it a lot in the NBA where the guys that play for Team USA for the Olympics or FIBA or whatever, they come back and have such a jump their next season. We've, we've seen it a lot. It wouldn't be surprising at all to see Baba Miller do that this coming season for Florida State. We saw him shoot the ball at this tournament much better than he shot at Florida State last season. I, I tweeted one clip of him doing that behind-the-back crossover step at corner three. That's not something he was doing last year. And now he looks so much more comfortable on the floor. And I'm, I'm hoping that stays for this upcoming season. Be huge. Looks like he's in uh, great shape at the moment, really playing with some confidence, which I think Austin, I mean, maybe you can touch on it, but it seemed like maybe that was something that began to affect him a little bit once he came back and had some struggles at times, maybe was a little bit more timid than you would expect. But I mean, got his confidence back, had some really great moments for team Spain in that run to gold. Um, to see what he did in those final minutes of the final was absolutely thrilling. And then, of course, right when overtime starts, you know, he, he fouled out pretty early there. But they were able to pull it out with the gold medal. And you've got to think that experience on the national stage, playing against that type of competition. Well, international stage, really. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was in it was in Hungary, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, flying all over the world to play basketball is Baba Miller from Spain to Tallahassee to Hungary. And we'll see – if uh, this tournament is going to help pay off in his continued development. But it was promising to see some of those skills that we talked about whenever he signed with Florida State come to life a little bit in this tournament and, you know, for him to show some signs of growth. Yeah, just talked about his conditioning a little bit. You know, he got to campus last year, was dealing with shin splints, so he couldn't really participate in a lot of the summer workouts and preseason workouts. Then, you know, he plays the one preseason exhibition, then we find out he gets suspended for the first half of the season. So he's not playing in games. And you could talk about, well, why isn't he in shape if he's, you know, still practicing and stuff like that? It's not the same. You know, in college basketball and really basketball in general, there's a difference in game speed and practice speed. There just is. And there's game conditioning and stuff like that, just like there is with football. Just getting in that flow of playing in games is so much different than practices. Then he plays two games, has tonsillitis, has to sit out again. It, it was just a mess of a season. And I'm hope like I'm hoping that this – FIBA U19 tournament keeps him in shape and he comes back to Tallahassee, stays in that consistent shape. Hey, to finish off the 
podcast. I was hoping this would happen. We have Ohio State in our title. We've got some Ohio State fans in here. So, um, Ron Dugans, the donk, ran over those little peanuts or whatever those are. That was great. That was good stuff there. That was good. Great way to finish it off. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up uh, for the rest of this podcast. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. 70 likes on here. Had close to 100 on YouTube. Facebook's kicking right now. I'll have to check out this new social platform that literally just launched while we were live. Threads. Had to see how that works. Going to have to play with that tonight and see if there's any way we can utilize that for the podcast. And also let us know, too. Uh, tweet us or in the discord you know i'm seeing a lot of podcasts now they're putting their entire episode on twitter uh so now that we can post some lengthier stuff with being uh blue verified or whatever we can put the whole entire podcast out on our twitter at hear the spear so let us know if that's something that you would like but nonetheless we're on youtube we're on facebook also on the podcast side of things we're on google play spotify iTunes. Hit that subscribe button too if you're on one of those podcast platforms. Before you leave, hit the like button. I really do appreciate everyone hanging out this evening. We'll be live next Wednesday at 7 o'clock. See, I'm getting some smiley faces and some laughing emojis in here, so it was a kind of a good joke. But yeah, the Donk, Florida State, Seminoles, wide receiver room continuously adding some talent right now and Ron Dugan's finding some success and so I'm sure we'll have some more recruiting to talk about next week but yeah everybody have a great rest of y'all's week and we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday at 7pm Yeah.